Oh man, these hot toddies are so good. I can't have an episode and not drink. No. I got my Diet Coke. I'm ready. I got coffee. I'm awake. 7.30 is a little early to be drinking and not play a Warhammer tournament. Yeah, I've drank at 7.30, but it was always in the context of a Warhammer tournament. That's right? true. Yeah. Like, when always. I'm really hungover, it's weird not to play Warhammer. <laughs> You are listening to Party at the All Points, a journey through the competitive realms of Age of Sigmar. And now your hosts, Dayton Obrey, Jeffrey Bodine, and Price Van Welcome, everybody, to the Party at the Alps Points, episode 16, I believe. Uh, we're going to be going all about Underworlds. Uh, it's still related to Age of Sigmar. This is all for Price Vandenberg. He's been talking it nonstop, so we thought we'd just do an episode for it. Now, with us today, we have a special guest, Sam Thompson, down from Australia, but I guess he's not really an Australian. No, no, I'm a Kiwi. How are you going? Oh, even better. New Zealander. I'm that's a fake Aussie. My mom. That's where uh, my mom was born in New Zealand. I have citizenship. Oh, nice. Where in New Zealand? Uh, Auckland. Oh, yeah, yeah. A few hours from me. Supposedly, my great my grandpa helped build one of the main bridges in Auckland. He was like a bridge oh, yeah. engineer. That's pretty so. cool. And then my other grandpa was a sapper, so both of them had something to do with bridges. So. <laughs> <laughs> one's destroying, one's building. Right. Know, just making one and one of them makes and the other one blows them up. That's a, a solid reciprocal <laughs> yeah. business right there. Uh, with me today, obviously, you just heard is Price. How you doing, bud? Hey, what's going on? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, some kind of seasonal crud got me, but uh, still here to talk about Underworlds and have a good time. Yeah, both Price and I are under the weather, so you have to bear with us. It might be some coughing and sneezing, but I got some hot toddy going pretty strong. So hopefully I just blur through this. And Jeff, how you doing, man? That beard is looking epic. Ah, hello. I am wonderful. And yes, my beard is nice and full as I am a grown man. Um, You're a grown man who's never allowed in his own house. Whose house are you in right now? I am actually at my friend's place in his (laughs) hobby room and I'm recording in here and he's in the other end. So (laughs) luxury for you. Is he sitting in your car and you get his room or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, um, I couldn't kick him out, so he's actually. Um, I think he's he's playing a video game or something in the other room. But uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm once again in an exotic locale because I'm a rambling man. Uh, need my beard, my hobo beard, and uh, you like the littlest hobo. That's, know, how, that's right? how he fits in with other hobos. This is his beard. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's my it's it's my authenticity uh, check. So, with every, with every step he takes, he meets a new friend, and then he turns around. Right. And he's on the road, and he's home again. Yeah, I mean, Memphis is a great place to be a train hobo if that's what you're into, because we have a lot of trains that run through the city. So this is true. This is true. <laughs> so yeah, I see him quite a bit, but uh, yeah, so I'm uh, at at, an, at another new locale, and. Uh, I am physically and mentally healthy, unlike my two co-hosts. So, they're weak as why. Who are neither physically or mentally healthy. Exactly. <laughs> so somebody's got to. Somebody has to be the beacon of reason here. So I guess right. I'll Jeff is the healthy one. Sam is fucking right. dirt tired. <laughs> yeah, Price someone tired. We, just, time. we just woke him up out of uh, out of his his kangaroo nest. So there's nothing warm in there. <laughs> uh but yeah sam sam is uh basically one of been our original listeners for a while now been kind of bouncing yeah, around a little bit on, yeah on twitter and stuff and bs and seemed like an all right guy so he'll be our undercover australian agent now so we thought secret we agent man sam tell us about yourself a little bit yeah so i've been playing maybe warhammer about a year and a half now but I did New start Jack. with Underworlds, so that's hence why I'm here. But awesome. um, yeah, yeah. So I went to CanCon was my first tournament last year. Uh, so I picked the wrong time to start because everything's just closed down. Um, but I've just been mainly painting at the moment. 
been smashing out that, and that's really about all I can do. <laughs> what no are you playing? What, uh... Uh, I started with Gits, and then now I'm on to Skaven. I seem to be drawn to Hordes. Just just all painting all the small models as, yeah, as often as you can? Small painting all the guys the are drawn to Hordes. Don't feel bad. It's a pretty normal <laughs> thing. Yeah, so just painting 24-7 pretty much, trying to get all these small little things done. Yeah. You know it's a fucked up episode when Jeff is the one making the dirty comments and I'm staying quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I see I see the window of opportunity and I take it. Um, <sighs> uh, Jeff, have you been getting up to any hobbying at all? Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned last time that I had started into Underworlds myself. And I have played a couple of games and I played one of our local guys here who is very experienced and he still had all this stuff from Shadespire. So he's like a legacy, got everything and his deck was pretty hardcore. And um, I only narrowly lost, which I was proud of. Uh, I played a good game, but uh, my, my deck is very shallow in that regard. And just basically I had no chance. Um, it was just a matter of luck to have dragged it out as long as i had but um it's it's tough when you have a shallow dick yeah <laughs> yeah yeah is, is that, that was like, that a pun is that is that is that a pun? <laughs> is that with reserve cards and such as well uh um should be the format that we're playing here should be whatever i think it's called championship is that what the official like tournament format's called like we're playing with um the having cycled out uh shade spire and then yeah using reserved and banned yep banned and reserved yeah so i mean i it just figures because three weeks before this event that we're that price and i are a part of was announced i threw away all my shade spire stuff and i, I had at the time a refined deck for steelheart and um you know, I went on ahead and got rid of it because nobody was playing. And I was like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to play this anymore. So forget it. So I threw it away. And then sure enough, somebody starts an event like, hey, come play this. And I could have taken at the least I could have used my warband, which was already painted. And so I threw away it all, everything. And I had to start from scratch. And this guy had, you know, everything. And so it's just, well. I was lucky to be able to control the board orientation uh, because I was using um, I was using the Soul Iron Soul Warband. Um, I was able to control the board orientation the first two games, and that gave me a chance. But on the third one, man, he did a hallway and just avoided me, and that was it. Because he was like racking up like every turn, he'd probably get five or six glory. It's like boom, 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 boom. So he just d destroyed me. There's some terminology that's going to be tossed around that's common well, for Underworld, but maybe yeah, not some of our listeners probably, but, probably uh, need to cut we'll, it we'll, we'll explain that as we go along. That'll be glory is basically the victory points. I'll, I'll, I'll say that that is glory is what you accumulate to win. That's a, a core go. part of the game, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the points that you score to win the game. So we'll focus hobby right now. Bryce, you, yeah, <laughs> uh, I have been up to, um, about nothing. We've been very busy at work. Uh, we just acquired a new franchise here in town. Uh, we're in the process of bringing them on board. So that's been the bulk of my spare time has been working on stuff related to that. Go ahead and tell us about yourself there, Sam, as I eat a Tim Tim. <laughs> Our national treasure. <laughs> I'm working on, I just finished with 20 clan rats. So they're all painted up. Um, and then I've, treated myself to build the screaming bell uh so that's been taking a while um very cool you, uh, are you subassembling it or are you doing the whole thing yes i will have to sub assembly it's just going to be a mission to get any brushes in anywhere and the amount of mold lines because it's like two flat pieces and it's just massive mold lines between everything and everything's spiky so i've already bleeding somewhere <laughs> yeah it's a it's a <laughs> really nightmare. cool kit but yeah it's I, I couldn't imagine trying to put it completely together and then paint it because, yeah, there's so many things that you could not get access to. And it's a just a really characterful model. There's a ton of cool bits yeah. and pieces on it. And those pieces you can get, you can see, but you can't get to, so. Right. But yeah, so I've been pretty busy. 
let me ask you something about yourself, Sam. Uh, would you characterize yourself as more of a painter or more of a player? I want to be more of a player, but at the moment, obviously, I've been more painting. When I first started, I was just doing painting heaps. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just got invited to go to a local tournament. And then that kicked off that passion of going to tournaments. Okay. Um, but because I haven't only been playing for a year, I haven't got the backlog of models painted stuff that everyone else has. So I just spent the last year or so painting up a full Gits army. There you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more of a player. And if you listen to the show, you know that. But yeah. So I was just curious because I think that kind of will, it'll come up in, it'll, it'll be defined once we talk more anyway. But I'm just curious. That's why Price yeah, is yeah. always in his car or at someone else's place. He's always a player. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do this at home. <laughs> I mean, if you're playing uh, Skaven and, and Gloops by Gits, I mean, you're always going to make friends at tournaments. No one well, right, yeah. to play those armies. Nobody no, gets to play Gits. Fun. Yeah, they're fun to play and they're fun to play against. And then they're fun. I thought Gits were the ones that incurred all those negatives to hit, though. Yeah, they yeah, did. <laughs> They've got the netters. Uh, yeah, my list was neg four. My list was neg four to hit. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get angry at it. Yeah, I'm angry. I am now. Things, <laughs> still, things I'd much rather play. Uh, I'd still rather play Gits than like uh, a third of the new books that have come out. So. Oh, can you yeah, imagine all those true. netters against uh, Gargan? Yeah. <laughs> Gargan, poor giant. It's just gonna. He's gonna look like Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> Yeah, I got some of them coming in the mail, the Gargants. So they'll nice. be fun to, to play with a little bit, unless I'm versing yeah. some that is. Or anything with any <laughs> negative to hit, because otherwise they'll just flop. Yeah. yeah. Well, this guy, he's already just about to flop at his base hit values. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, it's disappointing. I'm, I'm going to, I've already, I've ordered one, and I'll paint him up for the order one, but. Um, it's disappointing. I, I'm, I'm kind of sad oh, about I'm it. I'm very but. disappointed, and especially the price. We're three hundred and twenty dollars here. Oh. Yeah, they, it's a lot to pay for a model that just doesn't do jack shit. Yeah. You know? Other than Are you going to packing. like repose yours? Because yeah. you can not repose it. So make it magnetic, because you can very easily magnetize all the hands-on heads as well. I may, I may. I didn't. I haven't seen the structure yet and i sometimes will do things like that like i magnetize some of my knights and stuff mm -hmm. um generally i do not go to that effort for my smaller models just because i'd rather just play and i can just buy other models but the knight or the the giant is a little different and if that's plausible then i may do i may very well do that yeah i've got some mace ones coming as well so that'll be nice to feel yeah mirce makes some genuine just a broad range of really good looking stuff cool uh yeah i guess i'll be ordering one here at some point to give away to one of our followers that's true oh, yeah, too, you're doing yeah. a giveaway aren't you yeah anyone that's yeah just... so i'm buying one and a third giants <laughs> <laughs> just you know it's not i mean if people want to follow on the podcast they'll uh on podbean they'll obviously they'll enter into that contest but it's more just yep. appreciation to our followers that have been along the way now we're starting to uh, ramp up. Our numbers are getting decent. Oh, a Merry Christmas to our our legions of fans. Right? We've been doing this for like fucking like seven months now. Almost Doesn't eight. Legion imply at least like a thousand people? You shut up. You shut your <laughs> stupid mouth. Nobody wants to hear from you. We have that in downloads. I mean, <laughs> 200 of them are my mom. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I've registered for like 910 Spotify free accounts just to bump our numbers up. So, you know. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, as for myself, uh, I put some pictures out there, but I've just been busting my ass off trying to get some terrain on the table to make it look more pleasable to play. Uh, my wife's getting her Iden FDPN army somewhat ready, so it'd be nice to play and it makes a world of difference to have a table that actually looks and feels the the theme that you're going for. Oh, yeah. Yep. Terrain is, I, I heard it described best, I can't remember who said it, but the concept is it's your third army, right? You, you have two armies that you kind of keep up with and you really enjoy, and then, like, your third collection is very often your terrain set, so. I did that all with uh, yeah. insulation foam and a lot of cock. A lot of brown cock and uh, <laughs> Mod Podge and uh, paint. Have you guys seen the New Zealand dick ad? 
Oh yeah, it's classic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a particularly good one. Uh, yeah, and other than that, uh, mention the sponsor once again, Mini Mag Tray. Go out there, get your mini mags at uh, a discount. Mini Mag Bro, check them out. Still one of the best movement trays out there. They're good uh, products. Very handy. Try to send some down to Sam. Good for playing so- and and for painting. Anything in the states is just so expensive to send over here. They're English. They're very oh English. Yeah. Even more, even more expensive. Everything's very <laughs> cost inefficient to get over here. I've looked at things like that before, and it just costs the same price to buy them as it is to ship them. I told yeah. you when I come to visit, I'll smuggle some shit. Awesome, we need it. <laughs> We're all heard and never getting. I think I might have to bring some stuff for Schmorgan now too. We'll see. But uh, yeah, he was up the whole time, wouldn't he? Yeah, that mustache he's got going right now is epic. <laughs> oh, Reese, Reese's no. mustache. No, Reese, Reese is bad too. But uh, Smorgan down in Australia. I don't know who that is. He, he's one of Australia's top players. Another yeah. Sam. Uh, okay. Another of the best names. Uh, there you go. All right. Uh, Price, man, why don't you take us through a little walk of the game that you have just been obsessing about? Uh, so Underworlds, for those of you who don't play or haven't looked at it, is game one of Games Workshop's sort of Age of Sigmar uh, sub-properties, if you will. It's a it's designed as a competitive game. It's a board game with a card game aspect to it. Um, so it's still in the realm of all of our general hobby where you buy, build, and paint miniatures. Um, however, as opposed to, say, a game of Age of Sigmar where your models move a certain number of inches, in this there's a, a finite and a defined board that you play on. Games are quick. Uh, you play uh, you know, a normal game, not including that you normally play best of three, a normal game is probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like that. So it's a, a very fast game. Um, things get resolved very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of replayability. So um, one of the things that uh, we were talking about earlier, you heard Jeff talking about a, a board being placed hallway style instead of square. Uh, when you set up your boards, players get to choose those. There's a lot of player agency in the decision making. But basically what's happening is you each have a small group of miniatures that represents a war band. And they are battling it out in one of these sort of underground locations across the realms. Uh, to score glory, uh, magical artifacts, things of that nature. Uh, it's going on its fourth, uh, Corset's kind of an odd term, uh, but its fourth box is coming out. If you watch the preview today, uh, which today being October 17th, you saw the Diarchasm models get previewed, which looked pretty rad. Um, but yeah, that's the general scope of Underworlds. Uh, other big advantages, it's very cost-effective as far as Games Workshop hobbies go. Definitely a, a smaller buy-in compared to, say, buying a full Age of Sigmar or a Warhammer 40k army. They've been consistent it can about that, get too. up there, but... Uh, so the thing is, even if you go full buy-in, you're looking at somewhere around 400 bucks to get all yeah, the cards I was that you need say, for a season. About 400 bucks out of doer. And then the benefit after that is your maintenance cost is very low because currently they're releasing roughly two warbands a quarter that's been kind of the the ballpark pace that they're doing it in a warband is 30 i think 30 us dollars yeah. somewhere right yeah it's 30 to 40 dollars yeah and so basically what you're looking at is spending 60 to 80 bucks every quarter if and that's if you want to get every warband that comes out and stay current with every card and so that's a, three months for you dumbasses out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a, a pretty pretty low uh, maintenance cost on it, uh, and even your your full investment is stays fairly low. And the benefit is, if you're thinking about getting into it, hang on for a month or two until Direchasm comes out because that's going to cycle uh, Night Vault out as well. So the only thing that'll be usable from Night Vault will be like warband specific stuff but the general cards will get cycled out which is one less pile of cards that you have to find a way to acquire so one one less instance of mixed terminology yep warbands are 55 aussie dues ah is that are you on the Rubos. Or australian because we can pick them up for 40 bucks uh i'm on the australian deliver oh nice to bumped up the prices again <laughs> i wouldn't put them past them well your country's doing so much better than the everywhere else so they have to get some money somewhere yeah yeah <laughs> there you go but yeah so oh that's the, that's the general scope of the game um there's a it, obviously like this is a one podcast episode on 
Underworld, so we're not going to dive, I'm sure, deep dive into every aspect of the game because it's a fairly complex game, uh, especially with the amount of cards and interactions and stuff that exist. Uh, but hopefully after listening to this one, you might consider picking up one of the boxes and, and giving it a shot. I held out for a little while on it and kind of recently dived into it. And on a personal level, it's one of my favorite games, workshop games to play right now. Uh, fits in with the time that I have to do a lot of hobby stuff. And for me, painting is largely a chore. It shouldn't be, but it, it's something that I view as a chore very often. And so Underworlds is nice because I can have a fully painted warband in you know, a day or two of painting as opposed to needing to set a deadline and trying to soldier through several, several models. Um, you know, I'm, I'm painting three to five really cool individual sculpt models and calling it a day. Hey, Bryce, can I ask you a question? Awesome as well. What's up? Do you feel that the older warbands should be playable against the current gamut in competitive play? Does, uh, this, did, does this I, make a game less balanced or more balanced? Uh, I think that it's fine for them to be played because at the end of the day, they're still, everybody has access to the same general pool, right? So it, you know, if you're playing fire slayers, right, it doesn't, you, you don't have access to cards that aren't available in the general pool to everyone. Like you have access to the fire slayer cards, but you've always had access to those. Uh, and ultimately I think providing the ability to play as many warbands as possible is always going to be a good thing because it helps keep things from settling into this warband's the best warband. Uh, and there's also, I think just like a, a cost concern, right? Like nobody wants to buy something, get really attached to it and then have it completely cycled out. Right. We're not quite at a full blown level of magic where you're literally buying a piece of cardboard and that's it. So uh, I, th I think you should be able to continue to play the old war bands and I, obviously they've done pretty well, right? Some of the old war bands fit in really well. Um, Steel Hearts Liberators are still an incredibly popular war band came with the very first starter box. Uh, people still like the fire slayers, uh, the chosen axes. So fiends. Yep. Uh, and back to what Sam said, uh, he talked about the sculpts themselves and I'll, I'll let you, uh, go on on that, but I agree hundred percent. The sculpts are fantastic. Like they're genuinely good models. Um, with their own bases. Yep. But that question came from uh, David Blanchard Wright. He's obviously undead, but he's doing really well as a Wright. So that's good. The models are gorgeous. You can be, you know, a, a, a white uh, in the D and D hierarchy of undead monsters is pretty decent. So right. Unless you get okay. unless you get Tom Bombadil coming up in your grill. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's, I'm a Tom Bombadil fan. I mean, we can our next episode can be just talking about why Tom Bombadil is the best character in Lord of the Rings. He uh, just comes in singing, making rhymes, and everyone dies. I and swear, runs away from him. Man, I wonder was he like on something when he wrote that part, or what? No, Tom Bombadil's the spirit. Tom Bombadil's the spirit of the world, man. Like Tom yeah. Bombadil represents the or like the the sort of earth spirit or world spirit of so is he one of the the sire or whatever it was the no, same thing that nah tom bombadil is completely different uh tom bombadil uh wears yellow boots and kicks ass so he has his own book. stupid character and it's all in rhyme uh if you think tom bombadil's stupid uh you're stupid uh, he's fucking stupid <laughs> well you're fucking stupid how's that sound <laughs> it doesn't help with the last name i think that just sort of makes it over the top Bombadil. Tom Bombadil and, and Goldberry. Uh, and if you're listening and you don't like Tom Bombadil, I don't. I think the same thing that I think about Jeff about you. So um, don't don't. Just the blanket it. Yep. Any anybody who doesn't like Tom Bombadil, uh, you're wrong. You've you've made poor decisions with your life. You or you just better. like a good story that makes sense and is cohesive and not like some <laughs> random Santa character. Yeah. So Tom Bombadil. Um, Anyway, this isn't. Who doesn't like Tom Santa? <laughs> Jeff, are you saying you don't like Santa? That's what kids think. <laughs> oh, oh, what, what if we have some young listeners who just straight up found out Santa's fake via Jeff Bodine? If we have any dreams, if we have any young <laughs> listeners past episode six, I'd be really surprised. Uh, yeah, are you kidding me? The things, the things that have come out of our mouths. If we have any young kids, listeners, your parents aren't doing what they're supposed to be. Especially yeah, the last be few no episodes. Young listeners hearing, hearing my my voice. That's why we, oh that's why we write Sam on. He's going to yeah. take us out of this muck that we carry ourselves. Especially after those bloody air breaks the last few episodes. Jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I think, I think in response to that guy's question as well, um, 
They should be. I think they should. They should be playable. Um, I don't know that they all are. They are. Yeah. Um, the only thing you might no run no into they are they are legally yeah but are they competitively? That I think I also know. one thing is with unlike Magic, you sort of get cardboard and that's it. Whereas with the warbands, you're painting them up and you're doing sculpting and modeling to them as well. So right. they, you're spending a lot more time in them than just building a random deck. Yeah. Um, so for them to cycle them out and you lose something you've put, some people put 50, 100 hours into them because they're so small and they look absolutely amazing. For you to lose that because they've just cycled it out would be quite a great loss, I think, to, to the whole system. Yeah. I think what they need to do is be a little more conscientious about maintaining them and update their uh, character cards a little bit to help, you know, like at least have that on the table as an option to keep they, these older warbands relevant. But like Steelheart's Liberators are still considered like one of the top warbands in the game right now with the cards that came out in. in yeah, Shade I think uh, I think what'll what'll keep the warbands relevant for the time being will be deck construction. That's because saying, it's right? not like, going to be it's not going to be their natural abilities. Yeah, but there's no warband whose natural abilities like it's a deck building game, right? Like I don't think there's a yeah. single warband as far as like raw power on cards that's like changing the world, right? Like it's it's all about what's in the deck building uh, repertoire. And like obviously like as things cycle around, you know, some bands come in and out of favor, especially with the band and restricted list. Uh, which, if you are listening to this, uh, one of the things that is kind of interesting or unique about um, Underworlds, especially for a Games Workshop game, is there is a banned and restricted list. Uh, Games Workshop does kind of watch what's going on, and they sometimes either restrict cards to you can have up to three. Is that I think that's right? Up to three banned card or restricted cards in your deck, uh, and then if it's banned, obviously you can't take it at all. So there's a little bit more uh, attention paid to the meta, if you will, and what's going on with it. Um, but I, you, I mean, I think... DW pays attention to the competitive aspect of your games. <laughs> this one first. specifically. Uh, but yeah, it's the only game that they do it to. Let's be very clear. Granted, this, this, this is the only one they've actually like made and said, yes, this is for it, competitive purposes. Yeah, that's probably an important mm. thing to state, too. Is that probably because the scope is so much smaller. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's very easy to make this a competitive game because you play best two out of three which removes the capacity for luck in a lot of respects and especially with things like your glory deck being 12 cards and your power deck being only 20 cards it really you know removes a lot of the scope of like random draw and random dice because you're playing three games like your your dice and your card draw are going to cycle through those three games as you work through them so uh it's a small a small environment quick and quick games and a tournament can be three rounds of best two out of three which gives you a, a good look at who won that event you know i think that gives you a good concrete view of who was doing the best in that environment sorry i'm sending my wife uh, the recipe for these hot toddies because i want more <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're talking about uh one of the things that you mentioned before was how uh how uh, complicated the game can be, especially when it comes to deck building and aspects and stuff like that. But another side of that is this was like one of the first GW games I got my wife into. And I got her into the point where we went to Vegas and she played in the tournament, like two day tournament with 72 other nerds. And she was the only female there. And the LVO played. event. Yeah. The LVO event. That's it was wild, big. Eh? That's so good. And uh, yeah, she had a blast. Uh, yeah. You know, as well as she could be with a bunch of nerds. And she was and pregnant. Now you've hooked into aos <laughs> uh trying that's trying. It's, it's still going Working on did she it. win any of the games did she win any games oh yeah yeah she won some games but it was pretty funny she just i think it was like the top 36 got prize support and she was 37 oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i was just one shy and then that lvo game too or that tournament weekend i went drinking with the uh designer of the game nice and he can drink real hard. And man, those English those English can drink and show up three hours later and doesn't even look like they've been drinking. Yeah, I definitely a, an easy to learn, hard to master game. I think when you yeah. just when you look at the rules, the rules themselves are pretty straightforward. Um, you run into some interesting interactions with cards, reactions, timing and stuff like that. But they've been doing a good job of 
taking those windows and defining them better. And it looks like with the Direchasm coming out, we'll see even more definition in that respect because they talked about streamlining and cleaning up the rules even more than they, they already have. So, um, yeah, Can we talk about those, those models are yeah. fucking gorgeous. Yeah. It's a, it's a good looking starter set. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It just got released today. I know yeah. a lot of people are bummed out cause they wait all weekend for Warhammer, uh, previews and it was just basically this and blood bowl yeah i mean this was definitely blood bowl a little bit of uh underworlds and some uh war cry were the the primary ones that are getting showed off today um well, i hate i don't like the lumineth realm lords i don't like the aesthetics but this warband is well done they look good that camo skink <laughs> oh they did, it's so dope i can't wait for that warband to come out seraphon yeah a camo but, skink chameleon I know. Does that mean Sylvaneth are going to get a warband? Seraphon, yeah, Seraphon? Seraphon? Yep. yeah. They uh, yes. A couple of months ago, they just—it's just a single model that they showed off. But they showed it off for an Underworld's warband preview, so we know that they're oh, going to wow. get. We know they're going to get a warband. Are we going to use Salamander's model? They want to have spam. So there's <laughs> nice. like seven of them. He's got his darts in the the little frog. Yeah, oh, in the frog's mouth. <laughs> oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. It's but the. Awesome. The Slanish mortals are looking so good. The, yeah, I, I think, heard about them. Yeah, the Slanish band is, in my opinion, the it's the one that, from a sculpting standpoint, calls out to me, especially because there's a Slangor in there, uh, which is fucking rad. And there's, uh, interestingly enough, the second Chaos model in Underworlds with a bow. So they, they do have bows in the Chaos Wastes. They just See, don't bring them to... The, once again, what is it with GW and putting all this amazing content into the small game, but then the flagship line is like, okay, here's vanilla chaos. Enjoy. Don't ask for flavors. <laughs> In large, you know, I mean, like, what the fuck, man? It's because they're sculpting they're, five models. Yeah. I know that. Run. I know. That. I get that. I do. <laughs> I do. But I mean, like, that is just such a... A bullshit teaser in my opinion it's also a like, completely separate team that's involved in it right like the warband team is uh it's a different set of it, it obviously like all the sculptors work together but the guys who work this tend to be part of the specialist game studio and the box games team and so basically right like they get told hey we, you do this right and so they get to sculpt five models that look amazing um and they don't have to worry about how do we put this in a box that people need to build 40 of which i think is probably one of the big elements there so yeah the, uh, the warband leader with like the scarring tattoos like yeah the, all over his body Sick. and you'll notice on all the bases they have faces in the sand as well yeah i was looking at that's that. fucking awesome oh. man what a see like what a what a what a waste uh, i mean I it's mean, not a waste for <laughs> Wonderworlds, but i mean it's like i wish they could incorporate that into aos like yeah. the scimitar on the the gore you could just this... buy those base toppers that'd be sick yeah, that would be really nice yeah. if they would do those, like the the shattered realms that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this whole cool. Arabian, the whole Arabian themed. Yep. I love that. I oh, love God. that so much. It looks so cool. And I like it between the because they have a male and a female model, mm -hmm. and they are dressed exactly the same. Yep. <laughs> like it's just so slanish. Like you got to look to actually see the difference in the sexuality. Yeah, the Slangor is the one that I pers just on like a personal level I am most excited about because I love Beastman stuff. <laughs> he looks bloody crazy. In the corset. So, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, dope, yeah. man. And this one studded leather leg. Yep. Yeah. Very demonet inspired with that like kind of one half normal, one half demon kind of thing going on. I'm so still still like exotic. Like has, so like, what you're saying is uh, the sexy goat reminds Bryce of growing up on the farm. Correct. I have I own several pairs of rain boots for a reason. Yeah. Um, Sam, that's a double burn on this show too, right? Because we got Sam here too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got some Valkyrie gloves when I go back home. Sheep ain't running away. Oh shit. But yeah, I think that's a. It's a really cool set. I'm excited to pick it up. Uh, I'm excited. Obviously, we haven't seen any rules today. They didn't. They didn't announce any of that. They just showed off the models and kind of we knew this was coming. But very cool to see new models out for it. Um, and then what changes they make. I think the only thing that they talked about is they mentioned a new uh, mechanic that will be going on, which is the primacy and hunger mechanics. Will allow you to build up bonuses. 
So I, we don't know what those do, but that's the that's the set uh, mechanic that they'll be adding. Like in Beast Grave, they have uh, prey hunter prey and hunted, yeah. And so those will be some new mechanics that they'll add. And then uh, if you feel like you know destroying your eyesight, you can look at some of the warband stats for the elves from the preview picture. So if you want to squint real hard. Oh, but they look great for like a, another new season starter box. They mm-hmm. hit it out of the park with both those armors being really aesthetically pleasing. Yep. Whereas I feel like the last one kind of lost me a little bit. <clears throat> the last one is definitely like you either really like one of those two warbands being Karnathi or Beastman, or you just don't care. So like for me as a, a huge fan of Beastman, I was super excited when that box came out because it's a Beastman warband for Underworlds. But if you don't aren't into one of those two concepts, I agree 100%. Yeah, whereas the Night Vault one had me right away. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's nice to see something that wasn't just Stormcast as the Yeah, that's models. true. That is very true. Yeah. It annoyed it's... me that they didn't have Stormcast. <laughs> <laughs> you got three warbands already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing, too, to mention that all these warbands are compatible with your Age of Sigmar games. Yep. I'm curious if the um, the LRL guys are going to be uh any good yeah, it's always interesting to see their aos rules because some of them are decent uh mainly all the gits ones but most of them they're all pretty off yeah being able to be in any army really yeah what is the gets jamie he like moons the guys and they run yeah i can't remember i've never really run him in there um he turns his flank and lifts his his cloak and moons yeah them, and then they <laughs> run <laughs> But it's like it's a six-inch um, reach or something. Yeah, Morlog's mob's <laughs> pretty good, um, yep. giving them a negative one hit. Um, and uh, Briar Queen for Briar Queen. and then yeah. and then I've noticed a lot of people use the um, the Beastmen as well in their army. The Beastmen do because the there's a spell that the the Grashak can cast that's pretty solid, which amounts to a bonus to hit, which is difficult to come by in Beastmen. Uh, so definitely a, a big big bonus for beastman warbands there and then uh, a lot of proxy for models right oh perfect yeah. for proxying with the worm spat you get the nurgle sorcerer that's updated and looks new yeah it kind of fits the, <laughs> uh, the blight king theme a little bit more right yeah uh, even the new brutes are pretty cool as well yeah just as using them as proxies right or the daughters of cain which i've just ordered <laughs> that should I'm we just go through the whole list <laughs> um, you, get, you get wolf riders yeah, you get wolf rider gets man Wolf Riders, yeah, interestingly enough, are there are no. That's the only way you can get Wolf Riders in. Yep. In gets at current because that's not a the Wolf Riders otherwise. They're not a unit, really. Yeah, yeah, they're all legended now. Right. Mm. And they they even look old. Like if you look at the models themselves, like they're old school. Yeah. Like, aesthetics. Yeah. They've Which got the the big like wolf tail plumes and stuff. Um, I was also going to mention talk about using them in Age of Sigmar. There's another one that sometimes gets Thank used you, Nicole, in Age of Sigmar for my hot toddy, which I fucking <laughs> love. Which is uh, Magor's fiends, and that gets used because it's the easiest blood tithe points that you can ever get. Because you just uh, what's the prayer that does mortal wounds? Uh, blood, blood boil. Yeah. Um, you blood boil your own warband, and it's fucking hilarious because you generate blood tithe points on the first turn, and it's awesome. I think it's the funniest and most cornate usage of a warband that you could come up with. Uh, yeah, they're Morgoth's fiends are my favorite to use for warbands. Yeah, they inspire really easy and they play really aggressive. Yep, I'll uh, be uh, I'll post them all on Facebook. I got uh, and Twitter as well. All my painted armies and warbands. You guys should do the same. Yeah, the they're same. consistently good too. Like Megor's fiends are one of those that just stays in. They're always working, doing something, right? Because they can play a lot of different styles. They play a lot of, they play aggro, but they can play, they've been able to adapt to the seasons and change with them to do that kind of stuff. Jeff, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm just okay. listening, buddy. He's enthralled. I was, I was, I was, I was hearing that. Oh, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I was listening and I was thinking, um, the, the hound has pretty good moves. Oh, Does yeah. it not? Yeah. So I was just thinking about how well rounded that warband is, and wondering if maybe I should switch to it. Yeah, it's Jeff and I, uh, Jeff and I played a game online on Steam, which is a nice. Yeah, aspect it was super well. fun, by the way. If you guys want to get that, holy shit! No, I need to get into that. I eh? shocked me we've how fun a, it was. 
we've got quite a small scene here in regards to box games. Like it's pretty much either 40k or AOS that everyone really plays. Yeah, and we've got no yeah, Warcry or anything. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a. It's quite literally the board game just on your computer. The only downside right now, and something that they're working on pretty quickly, is they just don't have all the warbands available yet. So you know, you may or may not be able to play your preferred warband depending on what it is. But other than that, it's a, a great format if you want to play fun games of Underworlds and yep. you don't have a big scene locally, or you just want to play somebody who lives across the world from you. So, right, yeah. Sam, if you want to get up early, I'm always up. For yeah. It. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It looks cool too. It's really well done. Like the the characters' movements and everything. It's it's pretty cool, man. They did a good job of it. Yeah, but nothing beats rolling dice. No, and yeah. just the social aspect of the game is always a positive. But yeah, no, I mean, like I'm really kind of searching for my identity with uh, other worlds right now. <laughs> Only for you, big boy. But um, I bring that out in a lot of people. Yes. Yes, you do. But <laughs> I was just thinking, like my beef with stormcast is that they're so damn slow they're and they want to they want to be aggressive but they're too slow to be aggressive and then a hallway mission it's just like well what do you fucking do you know i don't know that they, I don't know that they want to be aggressive right because like the liberators um Steelheart's liberators win games by literally sitting on the back three tiles at any given point in time and denying glory and then winning glory based off survival cards so I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if it's if I mean that that could be is that I just need to rethink my deck structure and my play style. Yeah, because there's know, definitely but, some storm. There's definitely some stormcast plays, or like you go with the Vanguard Warband, which does can do a lot of tricky movement and big pushes and stuff like that. But I think stormcast. I think if you're just trying to play aggressive, you're probably missing out on the ability to control more of the the table. Uh, I yeah. think most of the Stormcast bands are definitely more oriented towards if you're going with traditional card game structure, more control rather than aggro. You can also take this yeah. game into uh, more of a party aspect too if you got a bunch of people with their well, new uh, arena. Yeah, I was about to say they just released the new arena thing mortis to do that. Two yeah, to five so players. I, I'm trying to figure out how my how I fit into this game for my uh, preferences. So. Sam, what's your favorite warband? I have mainly played the Chosen Axes because I got in in the first two. Um, and then I played a lot of Zarbag Skits as well just because of the randomness. The um, the, friggin- the scatter. Yeah, the scatter is so Yeah, good. and there, there's quite a few <laughs> models there, so you're always moving stuff around. There's lots to do. They really uh, captured the Gits with that Yeah, they band. definitely did. That That's what sold me on going for Gits and AOS is I Ooh. was playing up and playing these guys and I'm like listening to the lore in the background and I'm like, it just clicked. I'm like, "Yep, that's who I want to play," and just went full on squigs. Um, but yeah, some of just some. I of would the love to see that army. Really cool. Are they the highest model count warband in nine? Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Yep. With Skaven close behind, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I would have yeah. said if it wasn't them, it's got to be Skaven. Ah, uh, even the uh, Skaven's got the five. Feck, yeah. yeah, the Feck have uh, seven. Yep. Briar Queen's up there as well with seven. Yep. Yeah. pretty heavy. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I was thinking about AOS. My apologies. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the specifically because model count in Underworlds <laughs> is a big deal. So there are yes. ad- both advantages and disadvantages to being high count and low count bands as far as uh, you do get a bonus for determining who gets the first choice of action in the first turn if you finish deploying your models first, which is something low warband, low count warbands take advantage of. Uh, but in Underworlds, for example, a charge action is something that you can select one of your characters to where you can move and attack. But when you choose to do that, you can't activate that fighter again for the rest of that round. And so if you're a low model count warband, when you do that, you've locked out potentially a third of the entirety of your warband's actions. So that's getting into more stuff that I just really enjoy about Underworlds as a whole is it's not a situation where like right, right now in Age of Sigmar, low drop is effectively the best drop outside of a very few specific set of circumstances where in Underworlds, you're not punished for playing a large model warband. Um, you can just get in the way of things. You can block up a lot of stuff uh, that low model count warbands just can't do. So, oh, Jeff, I'm wrong too. You have four fucking warbands. I forgot about the uh, Iron Soul Condemners. Yep. Yeah, they're not unique models, though. 
anybody realize that they're just like yeah literally the the fucking um but here's the funny the thing though. Like, when they first, when they first released kid, yeah when they released those models though with their own bases i thought they were underworlds well, they, that it's weird because they basically were on. I think that they were supposed to be for Underworlds, yeah, and then didn't come out for them in time for some reason. Because um, that's it's an easy to build box, is what it is. It is, yeah. Same as the Banshees it's, as well. Yeah, yep, yeah that's like correct. So they're literally the leftover trash from other things, and then they rolled into a war, made ones. into a warband. <laughs> so and they threw know, those ones into um, the Mortal Realms as well. Yeah. So if I I'm gonna probably switch warbands to a, a more thoughtfully developed one I think, um, but yeah we'll see. I think I I need to get a few more cards to really and some better objectives for the love of God. Um, <laughs> get some better objective deal. cards. They're huge. I mean, like obviously it's the way you win, but I mean, like. What is really hamstringing me right now is just having objectives that are just like impossible to do. Yeah, I mean, objective. And if you draw them in the wrong is, order, you're just fucked. You're just yeah. fucked. Yeah. Objective deck building is a really big deal. There's a great website uh, if you're not, if you haven't been reading it, uh, called, uh, they call it Shadespire, uh, where he does some amazing deep dive math. Or sorry, it's just called Call It Shadespire. Um, unfortunately, the guy who's been updating hasn't updated in a while because he works uh, presumably in a field that's been impacted by COVID. But he's done some awesome posts on the math behind a lot of things. And one of the things he did a big chunk of math on is bricking, the concept of bricking, which is drawing an opening hand where you can't score at least two of your three objectives. And what the, the correct sort of build uh, in that respect is so if you haven't read that or if you haven't checked it out i strongly recommend it if it's a game that you're interested in because it can really help you define some of your deck selection choices um and then your other option is quite literally to go to underworld's db which is the world's greatest resource and you can do a, a magic deck builder so basically you can put in all the sets that you have what warband you want to play and it will build a deck for you based off of the most commonly played cards out of those sets using your warband. That's it's a cute. great way to get yourself started because it can be yeah. deck building can be daunting. It can definitely be challenging to to put together a deck with as many options as you have. And that's a great way to kind of get yourself on the right path at least. Yeah. Yeah. To taking good it's, choices. It's an interesting thing. Price just you grounds have us every time. I do. Well, you, <laughs> you have yeah, he's got he's got a really good um background on resource finding but uh, you have to identify what it is your warband wants to do and then pick objectives that that fall in line with that and <clears throat> yeah i mean i was definitely trying to be aggressive with mine but um and i think I was, i'm over fixated on inspiring like thinking that that's something that you always want to try and do and it's not necessarily no. it doesn't help it's not required to win. Just, nah, and there's some warbands whose inspire is impossible, either impossible or very challenging, or like sometimes you only care to inspire very specific ones. So a really great example is the Skaven warband. It doesn't fucking matter if you inspire anything other than the assassin. That warband is all about inspiring that one dude, and he just fucks shit right up. Like that's that's the goal, right? If you can get if him up to like seven damage. Yeah, dude. If if the little shitbird rats that hang out with him inspire, that's all bonus. It doesn't matter at all. You want to slingshot okay. the assassin in and kill people. Just a quick note on inspiring. All right, in age in the in in um, Beast Grave, you have your character cards for your warband, and they're two sided. One side is your normal character card and then once you meet a special condition that is listed on your card you're considered as inspired you flip the card over and it, it gives you stat bonuses different abilities whatever so inspired is kind of like you know powering up uh for yeah. all of our people who have not played so when we say inspired it's like we've met some kind of good condition and it's it's good and uh, I, every yeah every warband is unique and right. some of them really yeah. depend upon it some of those well, that's a lot of depth to the game as well it does and if so was, i, I spent a lot of energy 
Jeff, yeah. let the new guest talk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it definitely adds a lot of depth to the game. Um, just being able to do something extra that's not just reading the one side of your card. And then you're like, oh, I've got to do other things too. Sort of not a win condition, but it's like if my guys don't inspire for whatever reason, it does set you back a little bit as well. Um, it's definitely something very cool they've added to the game. Yeah, I, 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 one of the things I think is really cool too is when new warbands come out is looking at what Games Workshop's kind of inspired themselves with as far as, no pun intended, uh, how they've designed that particular inspire mechanic. Um, Wormspat is one of my favorites where the Wormspat warband inspires as long as there are two or more fighters that are either out of action or have wound tokens on them. So kind of in line with sort of that Nurgle's rot and pestilence ideas. Um, which I think is a really cool mechanic idea behind them. Uh, you have Yultharis Guardians, which is a warband that I like quite a bit, who inspire when they heal or when they would heal. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can build around to remove wound tokens in that warband, which is another really fun one. Uh, the, orcs, the orcs that take a damage and inspire, so then you do yep. an AoE spell to do one damage to all, all models, <laughs> and your whole army inspires, and then you heal yep. them. I love the, the new warband, the new orc warband that inspires with like wog points. Like they, they gain wog points kind of like the new orc uh, army book, which is really yeah. awesome to see that translate from big, you know, big game to small game. Um, I am curious, Sam. So you said you started with Underworlds. What was it? Did you just kind of have you, did you play other miniature games first? Or is that like your very first jump into it? What got you there? before you ended up falling into to Age of Sigmar as a bigger game? Uh, not understanding how any of the Warhammer or Games Workshop stuff worked. Someone was just selling this cheap box on like our, it's called Gumtree, which is our like sort of local buy sell site. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'll just grab that. Not realizing it was a box game. Um, <laughs> but that was essentially my first thing into any sort of miniatures whatsoever. Um, gotcha. <laughs> And then just got hooked from there. And then because um, it's so easy for other people to pick up as well, it's like an extra 10 or 15 minutes longer than a normal game time to pick it up. Yeah. Um, I just got all my friends into it. Like I ended up buying the um, Night Vault one again um, just to get more board mats. Um, I ended up going camping and all four of us were sitting in this tent playing a game each. Um, all my guy mates and all the girls went off and done stuff and they're like oh it's like being back at home we're all just inside this little cave just playing games and they're all off doing stuff fair enough because <laughs> we're all so. gamers at heart as well I just play video games so it's just no different <laughs> awesome that's really cool I was just uh, that's an interesting one because I feel like the way the game is marketed you're more likely to have seen age of sigmar first and then get into this one sans yeah. the fact that it is worth noting that here in the states at least you can buy underworld stuff at barnes and noble and target so you yeah know. so we don't have that here well, we can buy from your yeah, target <laughs> that's what we ran down to is target um <laughs> uh, the, the the only a, a few places sell stuff like that over here um we have just a toy store that sells it, but they sell other Games Workshop stuff as well. Other yeah. than that, uh, we never got that Barnes & Noble special release. Right. Um, and that was really about it. And, and then Games Workshop stores are pretty niche in themselves. Right. Yeah, that, the Barnes & Noble Target thing was a really odd one. Like, they've done it a couple of times, but the fact that, uh, particularly the one that comes with Iron Souls, Condemners, and the Banshees, is basically a, a Barnes & Noble exclusive that was like another pseudo starter box that came out for it and you could not get it at you couldn't i don't even think you could get it online like i think the no, only way you could either. get it was to buy you it from like a barnes noble or not from the games workshop <laughs> website is more what i meant to say like if you wanted to purchase it you could not just go to games-workshop.com and buy you had it had to there. go to a third party seller yeah yeah uh you can get it from the gw site right now can you no you can get <laughs> you can get champions of the dread fame that's not the same box yeah, it's different. That's, that does not come with all the universal cards. So if you're listening and you're thinking about Champions of Dreadfane and you want the universal cards that come with it and you buy it from the Games Workshop website, you will not get them. They only come in the Barnes & Noble exclusive. Fine. And that's where they gave you the crappy reuse models. Exactly. So. Yeah, well, yeah. Think again. They, they're For all the character that comes with, uh, with Beastgrave, these guys are, the, are a pale cousin. 
So the leader is a unique sculpt. Uh, she was available in the easy to build sequiturs box because it's quite literally the exact same box, but she mm -hmm. is a unique sculpt that you can't get in a sequiturs box. The one with the hammer on her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I've got her as a sequitur. I promise. <laughs> I'm looking oh, at the sprue. Only with the easy build. Yeah. Yeah. She's only available in the easy build. You can't build her in the <sighs> sequiturs box. I'll, I'll get her when I go the Mortal home. Realms magazine, I think she comes in that as well. Yeah. Which has not been available in the U.S. yet. So. Yeah, I smashed that because I actually have a small Nihon, well, not a small Nihon army, but I have a Nihon army that's about 100 chain rasps. So that helped add to that. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> more, a... more horde, <laughs> essentially. Right. But yeah, so one of the things, just as we, because this is just an episode where we're going to talk off the top as we think about things, we've been talking about the concept. That's every episode, Price. That's humans as a race. When, when we do when we do list episodes, particularly, we tend to have at least some degree of focus. Uh, but I was going to talk about board placement. So one of my favorite elements of Underworlds is both players play has select a board. So if you've seen pictures of it anywhere it's a hex board and both players select a hex board and then uh, via the rules one player places a board first the second player then places the the next board how they want to and so you can set up in what they call hallway which is where you play the boards long ways you can set up in just a square or you can offset the boards to some degree as well to create kind of like a step or a zigzag pattern and mm -hmm. it matters a lot like how you deploy your boards is a big deal some war bands excel in hallway some more bands excel in square but it's a really big deal like how you deploy that and i love that element of the game because there's thought into it and there's also a thought process behind what board you select because there are yeah. six legal boards i think right now six or eight legal boards for tournament play and Maybe they have six right um eight. are there eight available for championship right now i believe so. eight new ones isn't it with the yeah. new one um, with the new set it will be eight there's been three yeah. boxes including the one we're on now and, and then there's two was per a, they also did a random splash yeah. where you could buy a board. They made uh, one yeah. of them illegal. I don't, I don't know, know which one. It was one that had like three lethal hexes on it already. I, I'm not. Uh, that would have been one of the starter ones from Night Vault. I think. Yeah. Uh, because when they did that, along with the addition of in Beast Grave, you're allowed to place lethal hexes. Obviously, you have to. You, you'd have a whole shit. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> I really do like that board mechanic. I think it definitely like i said with the inspiring it, it adds something more and more choice you can make right and the more choices you mm -hmm. can make it adds more depth to a game yeah as the orc you walk through it and then hit the guy because you inspire on the way right <laughs> yeah uh, or if you're night if you're playing uh briar queen you just don't care because they ignore yeah. lethal hexes and so you just try and push pull and and weave people into lethal hexes that don't impact you at all which is a again a really cool element of the strategy of the game so. Yeah, and it really plays into the push mechanic. Yep. Like you uh, just shove the guy into a pit of spikes. Yep, and then laugh at him. Or you yeah. shove him into a pit of spikes and you play Caltrops on him at the same time. Actually, Caltrops doesn't work because it's when you get pushed. It's when but, you get pushed, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. There's another one out there that you can you can do damage on push. And so you can you yeah. can stack damage real fast into a lethal hex. Or like me, like I have I'll do three damage to a guy with a hit. And then that fourth one from the dangerous terrain or lethal yep. terrain will kill them. Yep. A lot of times this is the finishing is the, yeah. Mm -hmm. The culmination. Yeah, Dirty tricks, man. It's cool. I will say this. If you get into the game, do not get attached to your models in any given game because shit dies fast in underworlds. Oh yeah. Uh, models mm -hmm. die quickly. Uh, or not at all. The next one. Yeah. Or not at all. One yeah. of the two. <laughs> um, but it's not a, you're definitely not going to have a game where you kind of like, grind out the the win over as your models stay alive and are slowly whittled down it's not uncommon if things go poorly and your opponent's got the right glory setup and the right upgrades to lose you know a model and a half in the first turn of the game if things yeah. are set up for it uh hrothgar is a particularly nasty bastard uh who starts shooting you with that harpoon gun and yeah. you, you will lose some models quick. So. <laughs> no, it's just like AOS as well, where the victory condition isn't to table your opponent. It's right. to get the most points. Yep. Yeah. Unless you're holding the six victory point objective card to table your opponent. Or that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. a play, depending on where your opponent's running. Like, that one's great <laughs> if your opponent plops down, you know, one of the Stormcast bands. It's a little bit rougher when you end up playing a fully upgraded Hrothgar with 
eight fucking wounds who's reducing damage by one from every source that he takes. Yeah. It's a fantastic game, though. Honestly, legit. Uh, I hit it pretty hard for a while there, for about a year and a half, and I've been kind of out of it for a bit. But even my wife, she's just like, oh, we should be playing that. I'm like, yep, yeah, totally. We should totally be playing that. And it doesn't have the stigma of being some big, long game and price point. It's just the perfect pickup game. If you have somebody who you've been thinking about, if you have someone that you've thought about recruiting in the Age of Sigmar, it's certainly not a bad place to introduce them to what our hobby is as a whole, right? It's a chance for them to get some miniatures, put them together, put paint on them, learn some rules and play some games. As far as just an introduction to what tabletop wargaming is as a whole, great place to start. And also, if you don't want to, obviously, if you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know the bulk of, you know, all three of us, at least in some capacity, are competitive guys, right? We go to tournaments, we approach things, at least with some intent to play well. But the cool thing about this game is if that's not what you want, if you just want to play games with like uh, easy to paint or, you know, easy to build models, it's a good game for that too, right? Like if it's just something you want to fire off and, and have something to play on your lunch break or if your store doesn't have yeah. a lot of room, because uh, the other thing is you're playing on, you could play three games. You could have three games of this going on a, a card table, right? So if you got a smaller store where you don't have a lot of room for tables and stuff like that, this is an awesome way to get your Age of Sigmar fix without needing the full scope of room that sometimes Age of Sigmar can can require. Or if you're playing at the house and you don't have table, you know, you don't have a table at the house, and you don't have terrain. This is a great way to at least scratch the itch of playing and moving some miniatures around, even if you yeah. can't get a full-size game in. And what I think also is nice is that um, the starter sets create nice parity for the two war bands that are in it. Yeah. So it's a it's a nice, f- fair, it feels like anybody can win kind of experience. Right. And, and if you if really want to get that person, uh, if you want to get them really into Age of Sigmar, this is your entry, make sure you fart around them. Be socially awkward. Don't look <laughs> them in the eyes. Well, like I assume that. if you're listening to our podcast, you already do those things. So I consider that a real smelly bunch. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> And then also the fact that the is colored plastic. So if you're not into painting or whatever else, you've got no hobby paints. As someone that's not a hobbyist, you can still play with something that's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. it's not gray just plastic. Gray plastic. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. That seems like a good spot to end things off. Uh, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to episode 16 of Shades Bar Underworlds. Price is never allowed to talk about it ever again now. Uh, I will. <laughs> I will. Man and I'll do what I want. But, you need a punishment uh, for each time he does. I mean, you can attempt to tell me not to do it, but I'm just Yeah, that's it. pretty much a fruitless effort, man. Do you not know this dude? What the fuck? It's all of our co hosts cannot shut up. So. No. At least it's not bloody um, kill team. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys. Skirmish? Yeah, Bodian says fuck kill teams. Uh, that's the ending note of our podcast. Just like <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right sam man uh this is your platform now you can kind of mention out to anyone or talk a little oh, bit I, I don't really do anything else like this is this is my life Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any other content anywhere i just sort of i'm just a player i just enjoy playing games and having fun so if if that's your point if you're on the gold coast and you're up for a game you got a table at my house come around whenever there'll be cold beers in the fridge if somebody there wants to follow you on Twitter, where will they go? Uh, at it's Anzo. I-T-S-A-N-Z-O. Okay, do you have Foster's? Foster's do you keep, is do you the keep most Foster's? Australian beer that no one in Australia drinks. I have oh, never man. seen Foster's in a shop to buy. <laughs> it, and, and apparently it tastes bad. like piss. That's what like they say. Piss. It's Australian for piss. Whereas yeah, if you I'm... go to America, Budweiser is fucking everywhere and it's disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, so we can sometimes get Budweiser, but most of the time we don't even get American beers. We get like uh, pale uh, um, IPAs and everything else. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on and talking to us, my man. Yeah, man, I appreciate no it. I definitely enjoyed it heaps. It was good, except for the the nice early rise. <laughs> Yeah, now, it's, now you know what I feel like when I'm on Rob's show. Yeah. Speaking of which, tune in tomorrow morning for we were going to roleplay Boulder's Gate 3. Nice. Oh, nice. But, yeah. oh, lucky son of a bitch. All right. <clears throat> I got to practice my voice acting. It's been a while since I've roleplayed. You got to sound like <laughs> a uh, like a, a female um, 
Um, I don't play fairy, female. Fairy I don't play female avatars. Game, <laughs> game you see me online. I am not a female character. I'm not that. It, you that probably fucking cross dress for it and everything. I do that in real life. Why would I do that in game? That's exactly my point. This is not a stretch for you. It's a fantasy for me. So then, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't I, want to know about your fantasies, mate. I go ahead. <laughs> Aiden is a bizarre motherfucker, man. He's so great. I love this. Thanks for coming on, Sam. Much appreciated. No worries. Thank you very much. All right, this is Dayton signing off. Jeff? Adios, gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good one.